0: are not predicting the future Jacob was on his deathbed he summoned his children he wanted to bless them before he died but the text begins with a strange semi-repetition gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come assemble and listen sons of Jacob listen to your father Israel This seems to be saying the same thing twice, with one difference. In the first sentence, there's a reference to what will happen to you in the days to come, literally, at the end of days. This is missing from the second sentence. Rashi, following the Gemara, says, Jacob wished to reveal what would happen in the future, but the divine presence was removed from him. He tried to foresee the future but found he could not. This is no minor detail. It's a fundamental feature of Jewish spirituality. We believe that we cannot predict the future when it comes to human beings because we make the future by our choices. The script has not yet been written. The future is radically open. This was a major difference between ancient Israel and ancient Greece. The Greeks believed in fate, Moira, even bl- blind fate, Anke. When the Delphic oracle told Laius that he would have a son who would kill him, he took every precaution to make sure it didn't happen. When the child was born, Laius nailed him by his feet to a rock and left him to die. A passing shepherd found and saved him, and he was eventually raised by the king and queen of Corinth. Because his feet were permanently misshapen, he came to be known as Oedipus the swollen footed. The rest of the story is well known. Everything the oracle foresaw happened and every act designed to avoid it actually helped bring it about. Once the oracle has been spoken and fate has been sealed, all attempts to avoid it are in vain. This cluster of ideas lies at the heart of one of the great Greek contributions to civilization, namely tragedy. Astonishingly, given the many centuries of Jewish suffering, Biblical Hebrew has no word for tragedy. The word ason means a mishap, a disaster, a calamity, but not a tragedy in the classic sense. A tragedy is a drama with a sad outcome involving a hero destined to experience downfall or destruction through a character flaw or a conflict with an overpowering force such as fate. Judaism has no word for it, this, because we don't believe in fate as something blind, inevitable, and inexorable. We are free. We can choose. Or as Isaac by Singer put it, We must be free. We have no choice. Rarely is this more powerfully asserted than in the Unatane tokev prayer we say on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Even after we have said that on Rosh Hashanah it is written and on, on Yom Kippur it is sealed, who will live and who will die, we still go on to say, chuva, prayer and charity avert the evil of the decree. There is no sentence against which we cannot appeal. No verdict we cannot mitigate by showing that we've repented and we have changed. There's a classic example of this in Tanakh. Hezekiah is told that he is ill and at the point of death. And Isaiah goes to visit him and says, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And God did indeed. Uh, forgive him and give him another 15 years of life. The prophet Isaiah told Hezekiah that he wouldn't recover, but he did. And uh, the Talmud infers from this that even if a sharp sword rests on your neck, do not desist from prayer. We pray for a good fate, but we do not reconcile ourselves to fatalism. Hence, there is a fundamental difference between a prophecy and a prediction. If a prediction comes true, it has succeeded. But if a prophecy comes true, it has failed. A prophet delivers not a prediction, but a warning. He or she does not simply say this will happen, but rather this will happen unless you change. The prophet speaks to human freedom, not to the inevitability of fate. I was once present at a gathering where Bernard Lewis, the great scholar of Islam, was asked to predict the outcome of a certain American foreign policy intervention. He gave a magnificent reply. He said, I am a historian, so I only make predictions about the past. What is more, I am a retired historian, so even my past is passé. This was a profoundly Jewish answer. In the 21st century, we know so much at a macro and micro level. We look up and see a universe of 100 billion galaxies, each of 100 billion stars. We look down and see the human body containing 100 trillion cells, each with a double copy of the human genome, 3.1 billion letters long, enough if transcribed to fill a library of 5,000 books But there remains one thing we do not know and will never know what tomorrow will bring. The past, said L.P. Hartley, is a foreign country, but the future is an undiscovered one. That is why predictions so often fail. That is the essential difference between nature and human nature. The ancient Mesopotamians could make accurate predictions about the movement of the planets. Yet even today, despite brain scans and neuroscience, we are still not able to predict what people will do. Often, they take us by surprise. The reason is that we are free. We choose, we make mistakes, we learn, we change, we grow. The failure at school. ...becomes the winner of a Nobel Prize... ...the leader who disappointed... ...suddenly shows courage and wisdom in a crisis... ...the driven businessman... ...has an intimation of mortality... ...and decides to devote the rest of his life... ...to helping the poor... ...some of the most successful people I ever met... ...were written off by their teachers at school... ...and told they would never amount to anything... ...we constantly defy predictions... This is something science has not yet explained and probably never will. Some believe freedom is an illusion, but it isn't. It's what makes us as human. We are free because we are not merely objects, we are subjects. We respond not just to physical events, but to the way we perceive those events. We have minds, not just brains. We have thoughts, not just sensations. We react, but we can also choose not to react. There's something about us that is irreducible to material, physical causes and effects. The way our ancestors spoke about this remains true and profound. We are free because God is free and he made us in his image. That's what is meant by the three words God told Moses at the burning bush when he asked God for his name. And God replied, "Eh eh This is often translated as, I am what I am. But what it really means is, I will be who and how I choose to be. I am the God of freedom. I cannot be predicted. Note that God says this at the start of Moses' mission to lead a people from slavery to freedom. He wanted the Israelites to become living testimony to the power of freedom. Do not believe that the future is written. It isn't. There is no fate we cannot change, no prediction we cannot defy. We are not predestined to fail, neither are we preordained to succeed. We do not predict the future because we make the future. By our choices, our willpower, our persistence and our determination to survive. And the proof of this is the history of the Jewish people itself. The first reference to Israel outside the Bible is engraved on the Menepta Stele, inscribed about 1225 BCE by Pharaoh the IV, Ramses II's successor. It reads, Israel is laid waste, her seed is no more. It was, in short, an obituary. The Jewish people has been written off many times by its enemies, but it remains, after almost four millennia, still young, and strong. That is why when Jacob wanted to tell his children what would happen to them in the future, the divine spirit was taken away from him. Our children continue to surprise us as we continue to surprise others. Made in the image of God, we are free. Sustained by the blessings of God, we can become greater than anyone, even ourselves, could foresee.